We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no. There's nothing better. That's why... When it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 305. Scott, you're back from the other side of the moon, also known as Taiwan. I uh, My lip is all... Healed. I got the stitches out, so I feel like we're we're back and ready to go. It's the calm before the storm. Calm before the storm. Back at 100. Back in the country. Didn't eat anything really terrible this time. So I, didn't yeah, I was disappointed. I was looking about. at your Twitter feed. I didn't see anything moving, crawling across your plate. I was a little disappointed. Yeah, I know. I was when I saw what was coming out to me. I was like, oh, that that's way too normal. That's way too normal. That's just like a weird looking fish that doesn't even look that bad. Um, yeah. So I mean, like the worst thing that I ate doesn't look good on camera. That it doesn't look bad, and it's called. Uh, they have this thing. It's a street food, but tofu is big in Taiwan, and they have this thing that they call. It's called stinky tofu, and it basically <laughs> yeah, that, smells that like. That sounds good. That sounds appetizing. Yeah, it smells horrible. It smells horrible. It smells like trash, and they do that on purpose. Like they call it that 
it's it's like their funny thing. Every time I go over there, they're like, oh, ho, ho, have some stinky tofu. I'm like, okay, I've been here a whole bunch of times. The joke is old. Like, I understand that it doesn't taste bad, but it smells like dog shit. <laughs> so uh, that was probably one of the worst things that I had. The other so stuff was stinky, pretty standard. Stinky tofu is like the New York pizza of Taiwan. Like, it's the food you got to get when you go over there. Well, it's it's more like a joke food. They like they like mess with tourists essentially with the stinky tofu. Like, I don't gotcha. think pizza is that pizza is actually a delicious and smells delicious. But is it what they're known? Is it what they're known for? Or are they known for something? No, else? I wouldn't say that they're not. I wouldn't say that they're known for stinky tofu by any means. Okay. I would say they're more known for just like fish in general. Like the the fish is phenomenal over there. Uh, but the the tofu is definitely something that it, it takes you aback because when you eat it, it's actually not bad. It's pretty good. Uh, but when you smell it, you're like, I would never put that in my body ever. Yeah. It's and you don't horrible. seem like obviously you you ate the stinky tofu. You ate that thing that was still moving on your plate yeah. a couple years ago. So you you seem like somebody that's willing to try different things. Oh, yeah. I'll I'll pretty much eat anything. I mean, there's there's really not much I won't try. So especially if I'm in a foreign country around, uh, you know, people that I'm doing business with and they're offering me food like, yeah, I'm going to eat it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I'm, I go I've, back for seconds, that's, that's another, you know, that's another tale. Yeah. If it's like a delicacy or, or something that that country is known for, I'll at least give it a bite. I'll, I'll, I'll see what it's about. And if I like it, I'll eat more of it. If I don't, that's it. I'll move on. So the moving, the moving food last year that was, it was in the hot, uh, it was in like a hot soup and it was, it was basically just like muscles going back and forth. It was, it was not alive at that no, point. I, it I looked know. like it was alive. It looked like it was alive. <laughs> it certainly looked like it was alive. Um, that <laughs> actually tasted really good. That was delicious. It, it did like actually good, look good with it, except for the fact that the things were still squirming yeah, yeah. back and forth on the plate, but yeah. no, it was in like a really good garlic sauce, had some like pepper in there, it got a little kick. It was actually really good. The worst thing I've ever had over there was, um, was is jellyfish. So they serve jellyfish and I I don't remember I I want I don't remember exactly how it was prepared, but it's 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 like equivalent to eating gristle uh, from chicken. Like if you, <laughs> oh. the gristle on chi- yeah, that's that's exactly what it tastes like to me. It was just like there's nothing there. Like well, jellyfish isn't even really like an organism. It's weird. It's like it's like, isn't it it's one like of the tendon? Yeah, it's, it's like one, but it's like one of the craziest animals or mammals, whatever the hell it is, on in in on Earth. It's like jellyfish it have a, is a mammal. I don't know what it is. I have a hard time believing it's a mammal. It's a it's <laughs> like a, it's an exoskeleton, isn't it? Anyway, the um, it, it's disgusting to eat. It's really like I don't even get bothered by texture or. It's more like when you're eating it, it's just, you're just, it's eating gristle. I guess that's, that's also where my mind went. And when my mind went there, I was done like that. that now I'm toast. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, yeah, the, there's something about that that didn't give me, but everything else really good. Like the sushi, ridiculous. Um, and yeah, most of the fish is just phenomenal. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm happy about that. Uh, but no, it was, it was a, man, it was a, it was a very short trip. I actually missed my flight on the way up because of uh fog uh, we couldn't it's a long story but there were a lot of missed connection flights i almost got escorted out of an airport by security because i got into a verbal altercation with the lady at the desk who was being horrible <laughs> how long were you it in was the airport absolutely not my fault what how long were you in the airport at that point because there's a certain number of hours after you spend in an airport yeah. where you just you're you lose your mind and all rationale goes out the window and you'll argue with anyone it wasn't even it wasn't even that long, I'm, but there were three flights that got canceled mm-hmm. up until that point, and then this was the final one at like nine thirty, and everybody's like, "We're all going home. We understand we're not getting out of here," and everybody is going up to to like rebook their flights with this person, and she was up there alone, 
Uh, and she had an attitude from the beginning with the first person. Like there was, you could tell that like she was not ready to, to talk to anybody. And there was a line of like 20 to 25 people and nobody knew where their bags were. They were on the plane. Like, so I literally like kind of like raised my hand and then, and then can I ask a general question? Cause we're all in line. Can you tell us just where our bags were going to be? So we don't have to wait in line if we're not going to rebook a ticket. And then it's just, sir, sir, we are going to be cordial here. We are going to be cordial. I am a supervisor. And I'm like, oh my God, woman. Like you, yeah. So I'm like looking down and then I didn't say a damn word after that. And she came back to me like, like a solid 30 seconds later came back to me and like started going, started saying something. I'm like, all right, well, that's it. <laughs> now, now you've, now you've come at me. Now you've, uh, you know, you, you started back with me. So it's on woman. And uh, that's when she, she, she said that I'm going to get security. I'm like, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> like so and then you immediately regretted that decision you're like hey, you know what I'll, I'll walk out of here on my own thank you very much no you know it was it, well the next person went up and it's like oh can i get my bag she's like oh get a bit baggage claim so i'm like she's like you just yelled at this man who was asking for the rest of us and that's when i really like started letting her have it after that i'm like i'm leaving anyway let's go out with a bang maybe uh maybe your face annoyed her or something it, there was something it was uh it was it was pretty bad but um but yeah, then I finally got there. Uh, so it was a very short trip in in Taiwan, which like your your body like barely gets used to it when you're there. And then I'm turning around and leaving. So um, when I got back on Thursday, Friday, I was just kind of a, a wreck as far as like where my head was and what time it was and when I'm supposed to sleep and all that stuff. So, but it's pretty cool. You were on the other side of the planet and met up with a yeah. listener of the show, a Yankees fan. It's just like you see that you see the reach and. You know, by by no means are we the biggest podcast, you know, on on iTunes or anything like that. But just the fact that there's a Yankees fan who listens to this show who is willing to meet up with you in Taiwan is just friggin' awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Chris is uh, lives in Taiwan was ha, was in New York for a while, and um, it was awesome. We, I mean, we went to a uh, like a little speakeasy in in Taiwan. Took me to like a a cool bar with a couple of his friends as well, and. We had a good time, man. We we were basically talking Yankees baseball for a, a while, and we went out. I think we closed out the last bar, and uh, I say I think because we were having a, a bunch of drinks. Um, but yeah, man, it was it was a lot of fun. It was it was uh, it's one of those things where you you meet someone for the first time, and you're like, okay, you know, I'm going to meet someone in a in a foreign country for the first time, but we have a connection of some sort, you know, and. And like immediately it was like super easy. Like we, we got along really well and it, we started passing stories. Then it turns out we were actually online in 1996 uh, for World Series tickets around the around Yankee Stadium. We oh, were geez. both online when the riot happened and and like all hell broke <laughs> loose and everybody ran towards like the uh, like there were cops like beating people with their sticks. Like it was crazy. And because uh, the line wrapped twice around the stadium and, you know, at some point somebody tried to jump a line or whatever, and then all hell broke loose. Um, so we were we were laughing about that, that we were both there for the riot uh, trying to get World Series tickets in 96. Yeah, that's one of those. Um, I don't know. What was that? Sliding doors moment. What does that mean? I, I've heard that term. That means like uh, like your life could have gone one way. I guess that's not really what this is. But that's one <laughs> yeah. of those. That's one of those weird connections that you like you'll meet somebody down the line 10, 15 years later. And you're like, oh, you were there, too. Yeah, in Taiwan. I mean, like right. no, on the other side of the world. Right. So yeah, it was, it was one of those because half the time it was funny because when I think about that time and I think about like what exactly happened and the specifics of that night, like I tell the story, but I'm not a thousand percent percent sure that I remembered it correctly. <laughs> so I was like, maybe I embellished this in my head. Like it was one of those where you're like, did I or didn't I? 
And it turns out that I did it. Like we had the exact same memory. I was like, yes, boxes are being checked right now. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a lot more confident with telling my stories from, uh, from, from then because apparently I am remembering it correctly. Well, that the C96, the late 90s, that was still in the time where things could happen and they're not viral. They're not online. They're not posted right. everywhere for everyone to see. So that happens now and there's a thousand Twitter videos about what's going on. So you actually get the, get the story of what happened. Yeah. Whereas that, it's just you, you're hearing it, you know, Oh yeah, you're here. at the mercy. You're at the mercy of my memory and how I want right. to. However, I want to embellish. And it. it's probably a a, a a telephone game moment where every time you tell the story, or everyone who says, "Oh, did you hear about this?" Something is slightly changed or exaggerated. Yeah, yeah, no, but uh, it was pretty spot on actually, and I was uh, I was nice. impressed by that. So it was, it was really cool. It was really cool, and we had uh, you know just a lot of lot of lot of things to talk about, and um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Well, you know what else you missed while you were away is that uh, we announced last week that there's going to be a new Bronx Pinstripes show, Um, not a copy of this show, but JJ and Keith are going to be launching their own podcast. It's going to come out later this month. Have you heard about this news yet? (laughs) Yeah, I have heard about this news. In (laughs) fact, I played matchmaker on this on this little on this little pairing. Um, Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited for that. Uh, I'm glad we were. uh, I appreciate JJ for coming on last week. He did a, 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 a bang up job. Um, I got to tell you about the, uh, the, I got to put my two cents in on this couple, mm. by the way, that's getting married as well, because that was a very, very controversial topic. And I, and I know a lot of people were going to, I emailed their immediately when I heard, when I saw this, I actually emailed back. I'm like, you can't trust this guy. I'm, I'm fully on board with J- what JJ said. I mean, it's, you absolutely cannot trust this guy as far as you could throw him. See, uh, I, don't, I don't know how you, I don't know how you grow up a Mets fan. And like you both said, he wasn't really a Mets not. fan. See, this is why and he's he, not really a Red Sox fan. So no, he's not, he's nothing. He's a fan but, of, but of then, Niner. but then guess what? Don't claim allegiances. Okay. Because you're doing that now. And I'm also not trusting you for that. Like, why are you declaring yourself as this when you're really not? Right. That's that's what I'm. That's what I would be more upset about is just this guy's a fake fan and, and he's a po- he's a poser. And I don't yeah. like I don't like fake people. He's so got a lot of new. You hats. don't care about sports. You don't care about baseball or football or whatever it is. Fine. Like, yeah. I don't care. I'm not going to try and change your mind. But uh, don't pretend. Don't pretend. Don't act like you do. It's just it's just one of those things that nobody appreciates, and uh, and you will be exposed very fast. I was expecting an update from marrying a Sox fan. I want her to email us back and yeah. know what she thought of the answer. And yeah, yeah. you know, I reread the question, and I actually think she was asking about how she deals with both families. Who oh, are, she 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 was definitely not asking anything we were talking about. No, <laughs> but, so but that's what she was like. How do I make sure that there's no fights at, at a wedding between two different <laughs> fan bases? And what I say to that is, <laughs> don't get married. <laughs> just don't bring it up because there's going to be drinking involved. So talk yeah. about something else. Yeah. But uh, we did not answer her question at all. No, no. I mean, it's, it was hard to get to to the actual question when you saw. What was what was inside it, <laughs> and, what, and what was behind it? There were there were many other things that needed to be unpacked. So uh, JJ's going to be with us at spring training next weekend. I, I can't believe spring training is already basically here. It doesn't it seem like it just went by extra fast this year. I know like the season's starting at the end of March, so it's already a little bit condensed. But I just feel like you know pitchers and catchers reported yesterday. Yeah, it definitely went fast. I mean, I lost a week just by traveling all that. I feel like I've uh, I've been in a time warp, but mm-hmm. I um, lost a week because I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't get out of bed. You couldn't speak. Yeah, your mouth was uh, wired shut. The uh, but no, it's 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 gone definitely fast, and I think that and I think part of that is because the the amount of storylines aren't as great with the battles. I mean, I know we have a first base battle. That's that's the pretty much what we're looking at, um, and then you know uh, essentially a battle for that last roster spot, but. 
Uh, it seems like a thing. A lot of things are already, uh, you know, set, and we're just kind of like waiting because we want to see how they progress. We can't really take stock in what's happening on the field by the way that they're playing. Um, so we almost like want to fast forward to like, okay, let's just get to this and see if Gary actually is back. Let's mm-hmm. see if Bird can actually stay healthy and play. Uh, let's see if Voight wasn't an anomaly. Like we, we just kind of like want to move past this now and like let's watch. Let's see what actually happens. Right. And, you know, we get the couple battles like you mentioned, but then like any news that comes out, you're kind of like, like holding your breath that it's not bad news. And we had some bad news last week. Everything had been so good for the Yankees up until the Severino and Hicks news. And I know maybe they're not as serious as we initially thought, which is good. We're going to get into all that. I just want to first tell people about sleep number. So maybe you've considered sleep number, uh, sleep number bed, but thought you couldn't afford one. But can you really afford another restless night's sleep? Scott, you're probably exhausted from just traveling back and forth were you were you flying first class that's another thing i needed to know i was not flying first class but it was essentially business okay business class that's that's not bad yeah um there's never been a better time to save on proven quality sleep now during the ultimate sleep number event queen 360 smart beds start at only 899 dollars um one thing you know couples disagree on uh mattress firmness um or maybe pillow firmness they sent us a couple of those pillows and like i said a couple weeks ago you can actually adjust the pillow just like you can adjust the bed so if you like it a little bit uh thinner uh you can have that if you like a little bit of a more plush pillow you can have that as well so sleep number is all about adjusting and making sure you're comfortable yeah, the 360 beds are very smart. They sense your every move and automatically adjust to you, keeping you sleeping comfortably throughout the night. I wish I had one on my flight because I could not sleep. Uh, the sleep number has been ranked highest in customer satisfaction with mattresses by J.D. Power. For 2018 award information, visit jdpower.com and you can check out their rankings. Uh, come in during the ultimate sleep number event and save 50% on a sleep number 360 limited edition smart bed. Sleep number is the official sleep and wellness partner of the NFL. You'll only find sleep number at one of their 575 sleep number stores nationwide. Visit sleepnumber.com slash Bronx to find the nearest one close to you. So JD power ranks beds and like trucks. JD power (laughs) ranks everything. Do they, JD, do, if do you they want rank, to rank it, do they rank home run power. hitters? Do, will they say who the best, who the most, most powerful home run hitter is in baseball? It's a pretty, it's a pretty good, I mean, it fits, right? They should, they should actually sponsor like the silver slugger award. Yeah. Or, or the home run derby or something. Or the home run derby. I mean, come on, by sponsored by JD power makes yeah. a lot of sense. Right. Makes right. a lot of sense. Luis Severino, there was panic in the streets for a brief moment. Uh, he was scratched from his first spring training start on Tuesday. Apparently, what happened is he was warming up. We don't know if he was warming up quickly or not because, you know, he has an issue with the times. Um, I think maybe this year they'll be a little bit more um, clear to him on when he needs to warm up so that he gets there on time. Regardless, he was warming up, felt discomfort, shut it down, which is the thing to do. You don't want him to try and power through it on, you know, March 5th for a spring training start. Um, People were freaking out, understandably. He's the Yankees' best pitcher. I don't think they can win a World Series without Luis Severino. But they're shutting him down for two weeks. He's going to miss the start of the season. Let's just hope that's all it is. Yeah, I mean, the the fact that we're talking about panic in the streets this early. I mean, we mentioned earlier about news in spring training. There's never really good news that comes out of spring training. It's always just bad disasters that that come out because 
otherwise it's really not news. I mean, people, they show up, they, they play and, and you hope that there's no news about injuries and such. So when you start hearing things like this, like that's not good. Um, this is worrisome to me because when you're, when you're this early and you're starting to get ready for a season and you're already coming up with, with tightness or, you know, discomfort or anything having to do with, with the shoulder and it not being 100% is alarming to me. So, um, yeah, the MRI came back and it was, and it was clean and, and things look like it was, you know, just an inflammatory issue and, and this, and it got, uh, it got inflamed for, yep. but why did it get inflamed? Why, why did this happen? Well, so um, Cashman was talking about this. He was on radio, uh, last week doing his rounds and he was talking about it and, and he kind of made it seem like it could just be a, a, a the reaction that Severino's body was having to not having thrown all winter, you know, I guess. And I mean, that, that could be, and if that's the case and it's uh and it's just something natural that you know, that heals up fast with time, then, then great. But, um, it's still alarming to me. And it's, it's, it, it, it puts me in an uneasy place of course. when I think about Severino, because we know, uh, how he had that, you know, there was, there was a stretch in time last season where he was not the same guy and he was not the guy that we, that we need him to be. So, uh, starting out with an injury like this, I'm not even, it's not really an injury, but it's, it's something it's a, it's a blip on the radar at this point. It's definitely um, something. And but let's right, hope like, it just stays that way. Last year, second half, he wasn't the same guy. Is that because he was feeling tightness in his arm and was pitching through it? Like, well, I don't there think there was fatigue. I mean, I that was definitely, so. that was definitely part of it. They're, they, they, fatigue. they talk so about fatigue. He was, and, I think sort of talking about just general overall body fatigue versus yeah. arm fatigue because his velocity was still up. But as you know, as we've talked to different, um, you know, media members or, or whoever just read that if you're, if your legs are slightly fatigued, then your arm is going to be lagging. Your me mechanics could be slightly off. So yeah, you could still be throwing 99 miles an hour, but it's not the same movement or not the same location. If you're slightly fatigued, even just like five, 10%. No, exactly. I mean, it starts with your feet and it goes all the way up. If something is off, then it's going to throw throw off the, the muscle memory of your body and the way that you do things and the way that you've learned your mechanics and, and you know how to repeat the motion over and over and over again. And that's what makes you such an effective pitcher. And these guys that come to the major league level, the majority of them are able to repeat that motion over and over and over. And that's why they're so effective. Um, so once you start getting fatigue in any part of your body, it, it can throw those things off and then and then send you down a, a spiral. And I think that is part of what we saw. I mean, he's definitely been open and, and talked about that, the, the fact that there was a fatigue and, and mechanics got blown off. So let's, again, this is just something we have to monitor. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's no injury to watch, really. There's just if his arm feels good the next time he throws and then he ramps it up and continues to ramp it up, he's essentially missed spring training at this point. I mean, he's going to have to start over uh, basically from, from square one now. So now we have to just see how we, uh, how his new spring training starts. Um, and you know how Yankees Twitter do, and they go to this con conspiracy theory immediately and say, oh, maybe that's the reason he was so quick to sign that $40 million extension. He knew something yeah. was up in his arm. Let me get paid while I still can. I think the encouraging thing is obviously they did an MRI when he signed that extension. Nothing was abnormal about that. Nothing was really out of the ordinary about the MRI after the injury, except the minor inflammation, like you mentioned. So I, I'm really just trying to tell myself this is a minor setback right now and to not freak out because I yeah. wanted to freak. Like, you want me to freak out? I'll freak out. <laughs> you don't I'll go down that road. I will out. go down that road. Don't ask me twice. Don't ask me twice to freak out. But, but I don't think we're at the freak out point yet. No, we're not. If he we're comes, not, if he, this is when I'll freak out. They said they're shutting him down for two weeks. If he comes back after those two weeks 
and then tries to warm up or tries to make a make a start in spring training and has to come out because of of soreness again all bets are off at that point who knows how long it's, it's going to be after that i'll freak out then if and when that happens if there's another shutdown on the on the on the next comeback essentially the next spring training uh, pocket if you will then then they're going to shut him down for a lot longer and and yeah that's 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 going to be a, a a much longer and more serious amount of time because um, then they think there's something else going on, you know, and, and, it, you know, God forbid something else, you know, he feels something else besides, you know, besides the shoulder, something that's connected to the shoulder. Like there's a whole lot of things that could go wrong. So I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole, but, um, yeah, we need to see how he recovers. If he can come back and be healthy, uh, on this next, uh, you know, on, on the first go, then we're good. But if there's any setbacks, then yes, that's, that's, that's very, very bad news. And the Yankees are two for two with their extended guys getting getting uh, scratched with soreness and. They stiffness. obviously got together and had dinner. Like, yo, <laughs> you're not. I heard, yo, I heard through one of the guys that your arm is kind of feeling something. Like, I feel something in my back. We right. should both approach as ex- uh, guys that want to get extended and do this together uh-huh. with with team friendly deals. They'll never see it coming. Or, right. Maybe maybe Hicks and Severino should just both, both go to that massage parlor. Down, no, never mind. <laughs> uh, Hicks was scratched with back stiffness. Uh, tweaked it during batting practice. MRI was clean on him as well. Um, he was maybe going to come back this weekend. This weekend, we're recording on Sunday. He did not come back this weekend. Boone said he's going to come back after Monday's off day is when Hicks should be back in the lineup. Um, so here's the thing on Hicks. <clears throat> We know he's the type of guy who can get a little tweak every now and again. Hamstring, quad, you know, uh, didn't he have a, a rib cage or oblique issue a couple years ago? So, you know, extending him for seven years, that's going to be an issue always with Hicks. Yeah. I think if this were June 15th and he felt a little back stiffness, maybe they'd keep him out of the lineup for one day, but then he's back the next day. But it's spring training. It's the beginning of spring training. They're not taking any chances. Oh, no. you feel a little sore? Okay, shut it down. Right. Come back in a week. And I'm totally on board with that. I think that's exactly how they should do it this early in spring. You know, like back to, I I don't know where where everybody else's mind goes, but when my when I see back stiffness with Aaron Hicks, I'm like how many rounds of golf you've been playing, bro? Like, what's what else is happening here? <laughs> that torque that's he's trying yeah, to get out of some deep rough with an eight iron or something. That's that's they'll put a lot of torque on your back. Andrew, do you not listen to freaking Alex Rodriguez? He's not in high grass. This this guy is a scratch golfer. Yeah, but he, I mean, scratch living, golfers even in the some, fairways. So, no, scratch golfers even sometimes put it in the rough. Mm. I mean, maybe if he's playing some easy courses, but if he's playing from the tips at some of those courses down in Florida, those are tough courses. Look, if Aaron Hicks is, has some back stiffness right now and and he just needs some time to get up, I, when when you listen to what Boone, uh, the way he talks about it as well, it's it's nothing. It's it's literally just like yeah, a, a little always, bit of they always downplay a little bit though. of nothing. Yeah, but it, you know, just even the mannerisms you're talking about it, like it looked like there was zero concern. So I, I'm not I'm not he's worried not about this come, at all. He's not going to come into a press conference like DefCon Five, like oh shit, Aaron Hicks read, out of the lineup. It, you can read the the body language a little bit when you're seeing some of these guys, and this one is nothing. So uh, I'm not I'm not concerned about this. Plus, like the guy, you know, soft tissue injuries are nothing for him at this point. You know, he's just, he's he has them when he gets out of bed every day. Is back stiffness considered soft tissue? I think so. I, I think that's where the, the the actual stiffness comes from, doesn't it? In the in the around the spine, around the in the muscle. How can you have stiffness and soft tissue at the same time? It's an oxymoron. It's, it's an oxymoron. It is. The soft tissue becomes stiff. 
I think we need to get a doctor on to explain the all firmness. This to us. It's the firmness factor. It's you can't adjust firmness? it like you can. You can't adjust it like you can a sleep number bed. Ooh, that's a good callback. Uh, Boone and Tanaka uh, said Boone said Tanaka is going to get the opening day start in place of Severino. People were saying maybe the big Maple Paxton will get it, but I I, I understand Tanaka. He was the guy before Severino. Um, give it to Tanaka. So the season's going to start with Tanaka, Paxton, Hap. And I actually think that if if Sabathia were healthy and not delayed the spring training and did not have to give uh, serve that suspension for uh, the issue in Tampa last year, I actually think they would have given it to Sabathia for his last hurrah. I mean, it's probably true. It would have been like a, a celebratory uh, first because, you know, when you're leading the season off, you know, at home, like that's that's a that's an honor to do that. So I could have absolutely seeing that and he probably would have pitched seven innings shutout ball too i mean right. it would have been a gem certainly not just five innings because no it would all have been he's a gonna gem. be doing this year is four to five innings but no i mean this one makes a lot of sense i think if you're a yankees fan you expected it to be tanaka if severino is not healthy you know i don't think you give it immediately to the new guy by any means you're not trying to you know give him the torch right away um, so yeah, Tanaka's the guy. I mean, it, Tanaka is also, you know, we're, we're seeing some, some interesting things from Tanaka now, like working on a new pitch, a little knuckle curve, a little Mike Mussina, maybe inspiration from the hall of fame. Um, I'm still you know, waiting trying for to get... a gyro ball. I want him to <laughs> try that dice K uh, gyro ball. Yeah. That's, that's really good for the elbow. I, I don't want anything to do with that. I do you like remember that? Do you remember torque. when dice K came over and everyone was talking about the gyro ball? It moves like a, like it's like an ex- extreme screw ball. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, never oh, yeah. once threw it. I never saw a gyro ball. I mean, there was there, but it was a it was a fork ball. It was it was like, you know, it's the ball they think they think. Didn't it rise? Didn't they say it rose? <laughs> no, it, whereas no a no fork ball yeah. drops. Off no, but the, the gyro ball had multiple movements. It was like a. It was yeah. It was a wiffle ball essentially. It was like a knuckle yeah. ball that was fast and also went up then left. It was like right. that. It was like that cheat a, a code blinker on and made a right turn. It was like that cheat code in Tony Hawk Skater Number One: up, down, left, left, right. It's like that. Those were the movements as it as it went into the strike zone. But uh, you know, trying to get some more, trying to get some more separation, I think, with his fastball and the uh, the breaking ball, throwing in that knuckle curve, not a bad idea. Like I think you can get that separation um, between the fastball and, and uh, your breaking your breaking stuff. We saw. When he started throwing his fastball again last year towards, you know, the middle end of the season, he was more effective um, when he was throwing it more consistently and then, you know, breaking, moving it in and out and, and, and mixing it in with that breaking ball. So a little bit more separation and speed, I think, is a good thing if you can control that pitch and um, more downward motions, I think, in, in some of his breaking pitches. All good stuff for Tanaka. So I like that he's tweaking with his arsenal. Yeah, I'm just looking for Tanaka, how he comes out in the first half of the season, because the last two years have not been good. So yeah. what do we yeah. see? I mean, if Tanaka is going to be a pitcher who shows up in the second half and is strong through the playoffs, like I'm fine with that. But we need a little bit more from him, especially with the way the rotation is. You know, I don't know. We don't know how long Sabathia and Severino are going to be delayed. Right now, the rotation is Tanaka, Pax, and Hap. And then you're looking at Sessa or uh, Loisica or Herman or an opener. Boone talked about maybe uh, possibly using an opener this year. So they've got three established starting pitchers, Tanaka, Pax, and Hap. They're going to need those guys to be strong early in the season because the back end of the rotation is not going to be strong. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not going to be strong on paper. The you know you never know when. Well, you, uh, you never I still know, think Herman. I mean, I talked about Herman a few weeks ago as like the guy I could see taking that next step, just because we're looking at 
you know, he's got to put it together. I mean, even in his last start, and you, I, I know you can't really take anything away from the per, the way that you have um, a performance in spring training, but it was almost like same 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 guy, different day in the sense that he starts out strong. Like you see glimpses of like un, unhittable stuff. Um, he, I think he struck out the side, made people look really dumb, and then you know he gets behind counts and like runners on, and then all of a sudden they're like. Oh, there's there's a couple runs in and runners all over the place. It's it's that's that was what he did last year. Like he would work through the fourth and into the fifth, and then get in some trouble, and then it would the the wheels would fall off. It's like he never was able to to really put together multiple starts in a row, and that's that's the next step for him. If he can do that, um, I mean, he's got some of the best stuff in the bigs. We talk about you know, the all swing, the time with the when swing he's and miss the swing stuff. and miss ratio. Yeah, yeah. so um, it's crazy. Yeah, I saw a stat uh, last week. He ranked ninth in the majors. Um, for at least 80 innings pitched for swinging strike percentage, ninth in the majors. So we talked about that last year. Like, we were Herman guys from the beginning, right? We'd look at the stuff and we'd say he's getting the swings and misses, which is so key in today's game. Strike, you know, today's game is about strikeouts and walks and home runs. If you can strike people out, you can you can be successful in today's game. But like you said, he, he could not put it together. He'd fall into um, trouble, wasn't able to get out of that trouble. Yeah. Next step for Herman is certainly possible. I think they both they like Herman and Loisica, I think, as the two starting pitchers to take that next step this year. I I, I don't know. They keep talking about Sessa. Isn't he well, out? Because when you look at Sessa too, I mean, I, I know a lot of people get frustrated with with Luis Sessa because usually it's because of the the roles that he's in, and and he's a, a similar guy in the sense that where he can get a couple innings and then all of a sudden the wheels fall off and he implodes, but. But if you're looking at raw stuff again, like yeah, you look at Sessa. He's and got he's got the pitches. Sessa, it's, no, Sessa. I don't think has that same sort of like eye test, right? You look at Sessa and you look at Herman. I think I think you can see a difference. No, you can definitely see a difference. But her, but Sessa definitely has enough pitches to be successful in the major leagues if he if he were to to gain that consistency. And that, and that's it. He's he he doesn't have the consistency to be uh, you know uh, uh, an effective starter in the major leagues at a consistent level at this point. Like the consistencies within his starts are not there. And you look at a guy like Herman, and uh, I think it was um it was the the inning where he struck the side out. You know, this is what I, what I love about him. I mean, he's got a little bit of a you know I'm not going to go as far as saying it. Uh, that he's not he's not by any means the the same pitcher, but he's got a little bit of like the El Duque. Oh, God. Uh, he does. He does, he's got that. He changes speeds a ton, and he's fun to watch yeah. because he throws at different arm angles. You see, um, like he struck out a guy with an eighty mile an hour changeup up in the zone. There aren't very many guys who throw a changeup up in the zone, and when you have that's not that's not that's not, not a by, that's not a by accident. He did not try and do that. No there one, are times when you can throw a changeup up in the zone like he did and and make a guy look really dumb. Yeah, because, because it looks a mis- like a fastball. It's a mistake pitch. No, that's not true. A lot of times you can throw it up in the zone and it looks like the fastball. If you have your the ball coming out of your hand and you throw an 80 mile an hour quote ethos or changeup, whatever you want to call it, and and it's coming out that that uh that slow, but it looks fast. You 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 could see guys look really dumb thinking it's a high fastball. And and that's what happened. I mean, he struck a guy out um on a on a on a high changeup. And that just, I think that proves to you how effective his stuff is though. That proves to you how, how good, um, the separation is and, and how, you know, his fastball looks like his changeup and like that, that, that's a, a telling sign that a guy would swing at that pitch. Yes. And uh, is the swing and miss stuff a, an aberration? Was it an aberration last year? Was there some sort of deception that hitters just could not figure out? Or is it a sign of, of his potential and things to come? I think that's what we're going to, what we're looking to find out this year. And I, I do think it's a, a thing, a sign of the way he throws. It's just a matter of, you know, don't leave the 
don't leave the uh, the two o fastball over the plate, or don't leave the um, you know o, don't don't try to get too cute with an o two pitch and, and leave a hanger. It's stuff like that where I think he's not executing and he's getting hit. So the opener, Boone Boone sort of teased uh, the media. He said, "Yeah, we will consider. We'll we could see scenarios where the Yankees will use an opener in 2019." Um, do you think this is? Just him saying that we're open to any possibility, or is it him saying that with the way the rotation looks at the beginning of the year, with um, some of you know our two 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 of the five out, that an opener might be a solution instead of a, a fill-in starter? Uh, yeah, I think this is a temporary band-aid. This is not a this is not a Tampa Bay Devil Rays situation where we're going into the season and we're you know slotting two or three days of the or three or four days of the of the week to an opener like no that's that's not going to happen and I don't think the you know I, I think that would be all hell broke loose and and worst case scenario if that were to be a long-term solution well what about using an opener on a getaway day which you know all of your bullpen guys are going to get the next day off and that gives your starters a little bit more time in between starts which could just keep them more fresh throughout the season some starters don't want that extra time, though. Some, some of these, most of these guys, I'd say, the, especially the ones that are, you know, at their um, at their peak age and at their peak physical abilities, and they're they're they have a routine that they go through, and they have the the same days in between their starts or very close to it. They don't want that extra day. Like they want yeah, to get into their. They routine. say that, but at the same time, think about the five starting pitchers in this rotation. Sabathia certainly could use the extra rest. Tanaka, we always talk about how. He is better on at least full five days rest. Paxton, uh, it could use it because he's never pitched a whole season healthy. Hap's a little bit older, and they're going to try and keep Severino fresh any way they can. I'm just telling you the way that some of these guys think. Like they, they once they get into their their groove, they want to they want to stay in that groove. And you know who's to say that Paxton, you know, can't can't get into uh, a, a good a good groove and then and then stay in that groove. Like I, I don't know if extra time would help him out. It, it might be. Uh, it might not might might not help him out. It might be you know contrary to that point and and throw him off. And then you start seeing mechanical changes or or issues where he's overthrowing and um, leads to injury. So I think also the routine is is a um, is a protector for some of these guys because they are then able to you know go through a lot of the same motions and there's there's not you know different feelings that they have on if they had like eight days rest. And I also don't know what their bullpen. I think their bullpen is going to be the best in baseball. But it's also a bunch of guys who are most successful for three outs at a time. And a lot of times when we saw the opener last year, especially from Tampa, they would have one of their pitchers go multiple innings. I don't know who that guy would be in this Yankees bullpen. It's certainly not going to be Dylan Batances. <laughs> we know it's not going to be Dylan Batances. Um, so who, who would it be? I don't think they'd use Chapman in that role. Who who would that guy be that goes multiple innings in an opener scenario? It could be Chad Green. I think Chad Green has the ability to do that. We saw his use, you know, with uh, with Girardi. We saw him more of a two inning guy, and he was better um, with he was better in seventeen was better. He was than more he was effective. in eighteen as a multi inning guy, and then multiple days off versus right. what Boone used him as more of a one inning guy. Maybe come back the next day. Yeah, and and you know, obviously he started out as a as a starting pitcher, and and he's he's had the the workload in the past of of being a starting pitcher. So, you know, he's he's more used to it in the most recent history. But yeah, the, I think the when you're looking at who's been effective in multiple inning situations, 
immediately you got to go to Chad Green because he's he's been that guy uh, before and and been highly effective. So I think he would be the uh, the, the guy that, to circle. Are you against the Yankees using an opener? I'm, I mean, not, I'm not saying like an opener every week, but an opener in certain situations, not just in April when they need it, but at you know sporadically throughout the season to either give guys extra days off or because it just makes sense on that day. Are you against it? Yes, I, I think an opener is is should and is created out of a necessity. And if if something is wrong, if there's not a better situation for a a starter to to slot in there, then you can look at that. But I don't think it's something that you should plan for. No, I I don't like that as a strategy. When you have when you have if all five guys are effective and uh, healthy at that point, even if they're not the most effective, and you think you can get better out of it. You just throw so many things off when you start doing that because a lot of things can go wrong. And if it goes wrong on a day you're doing an opener, you could you could knock out you know five or six guys out of your bullpen at that point. And and then what? And then you're you're setting your whole rotation back. You're putting everybody in a position where they have to be too too perfect. Um, there's just a lot of I don't like the bad. I don't like the things that can go wrong. So that's that's part of the reason why I don't like it. I think there's just too many opportunities for things to go bad that have uh, trickle down effect. What if Sabathia is essentially an opener, though? What if he's a three to four inning guy? I mean, that's slightly more than an opener, but I mean, they'd still have to burn through multiple relievers in a Sabathia start. I mean, yeah, if if I'm being very honest, that's why I didn't bring him back in my in my uh, in my offseason plan, because I think he could be that at some point. But I mean, I don't think they obviously feel good enough about him where they like him going five. Right. And, and like, that's, that's the number we all look at five innings. If we get five innings out of Sabathia, that's, that's kind of like where we need him. If he can go further than that, then awesome. Um, but I think five is, is like, is where the expectation limit is. You start going three and four, then you're really flirting with, uh, you know, I, are you, are you going three or four effective innings and then getting pulled or are you going three or four and then like just getting out of the fourth? Cause there's a difference there. And if you're going three or four and you're effective through then, why are you not going out for, for five? So to me, if he's if he's going three or four, something's going wrong. Well, yeah, but we saw at times last year where Sabathia looked great through three or four and then hit a wall. So you're saying like analytics driven three to four? If whether he's effective, it's a, it's a very if he's diffi- effective pull him. Yeah, it's a very difficult thing. It's a very difficult call for Boone and the, and the management to make because you have all the data that tells you X number of pitches or X number of innings or whatever, and then Sabathia is no longer as effective plus what you're looking at on the field. There could be a certain start or against a certain crummy team like the Baltimore Orioles, and you're like, well, this guy has 58 pitches through f- five innings. Like He's still good to go out there. So it's, it's tough. I, I, do, I do think that on certain situations, if there's a close game and you're going into the fifth inning or your fourth inning and his pitch count's going up and you see a situation where, you know, there's a big right-handed bat who's had success off of him and, and you know, maybe he's not as sharp as he would, that, then yeah. Like I could see them because of the embarrassment of riches, what they have in their bullpen. I could see them or Boone trying to go for a guy to put out a fire in a situation like that and pull him early. So I, I think we will see it throughout the season. I, I don't think it's going to be like a um, something they're they're looking at as as a norm three to four pull him uh, on, even on a day he's effective. But I think it'll be more situational in in who's going to be up, who's on who's uh, you know on the base path. And what the game situation is at that point, because they do have a bullpen that is 
you know, so deep where they could get through a game like that from, you know, the fourth and fifth inning on if it were a close game and they want to, you know, sneak out a win there. Right. Their bullpen is different than most bullpens where most bullpens could not throw out eight guys and get uh, and feel just as good about them for for those eight innings. You know what I mean? Where it's like every guy can give you a dominant inning. There's not many bullpens like that. What I don't want to see, though, is what we saw in the playoffs where, yeah, statistics were telling you that he's going to go X amount of pitches or X amount of innings, and and then we're going to pull him because that's what our numbers are saying, and then just stay with him because that was your plan, and 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 go with it because, oh, we're going to let him get to the bottom of the lineup because we're going to get greedy, try to get a couple outs so that we can bring in the guy that I want at the top and, and face the top of the order. Getting greedy in the playoffs is asinine. I don't know right. why Boone did that, but I also think, I know you're referring to this for the regular season, but... Assuming all five of those guys are healthy this coming October, Sabathia does not get a start in the playoffs. Well, I mean, that's so far down the line, it's impossible to say. It's impossible to say, but on paper, all we can do is play this out on paper. He is not getting a start in the playoffs. No, no, no. But I am, but I'm also talking about the regular season. Like, yeah, I am talking about the regular season. And I know it's not the same thing as the playoffs, but at the same time, I don't want that mentality of being like, all right, this is where we're going to go. It's it's really just the, the managerial. Uh, strategy that I don't like in the sense that this is what I'm going to do ahead of time. I have a plan. It's almost looking at, you know, going back to Joe's binder. Like this is what the binder says on this day. And I have to do this. I don't like that. I want you to read the situation. If your numbers are telling you that, yeah, he should be effective through the bottom of the order. The guys don't have enough, but you're looking at it and he's gassed and he's leaving pitches up and we're just not seeing the same guy. Pull him. If you have better options on that given day, pull him. And the earlier, that. the earlier Sabathia comes out of games, the more time he has to be an ESPN analyst. Right. Well, I don't know how you could. I don't know how a baseball player has enough time to become a uh, an analyst on a uh, on, well, on like a network. Like if that, you're a yeah. starting pitcher, you got I guess four so. out of five days off, and, and he's in New York. He's right there. Things. I mean, ESPN headquarters is in Connecticut. It's not a far, far little commute for him. Yeah, I don't know how much he's going to be doing in true. season. The reports were initially that he's going to start it this season, but I think this is obviously a setup for post baseball, just like the the podcast. Exactly. I mean, he's he's definitely going into media. Like the podcast, to me, as far as the flexibility and the fact that you know Ruko's there and they usually record in the stadium. Like, there's a lot of things that are just super easy for that. You know, uh, traveling and going to studios and doing all that. That's just that's just extra stuff that I'm not sure I want him doing. So are you going to bust out your number 22 jersey for next weekend? Because Ellsbury might be in the building when we're there. My Jimmy Key jersey? Like or you your, get my Jimmy your, Key jersey? Or your Roger Clemens or your Cano. Or, you know, there's a lot of... Number 22 for the Yankees is a long history. Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, I don't believe it. It's, they say he's going to be there. This this guy they call Ellsbury uh, on the <laughs> on the say. days that we're going to be in spring training, which I, I don't appreciate. Um, I think it's a little I, shot, at the same, shot across at, our bow. At the same time, I don't believe it. So, <laughs> well, I mean, the physical just, therapy must have worked because no, 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 no. This is this is just this is just like we we have to say this and put on a public front for the insurance companies. So they're not trying to get busted. No, for the fraud. insurance companies. No, no, no. This is this is complete opposite. They if if they just want to collect the insurance, then keep them away. He can't even get on a plane. Insurance, you got to pay for this. 
Yeah, but they have to put on a front saying that they're trying. It's like when you, you know, if if you uh, if you lose your job uh, yeah, and you you're trying to collect unemployment, collect. like you right. got to act like you're trying to get a job. I got you. I feel you. Some, you know, we're, we're that's what we're looking at here. And you can't gotta, just be put flaunty. You can't just be watching like Netflix all day. You gotta you gotta at least apply. Yeah, you I mean, apply the Yankees, yourself, Ellsbury. The Yankees just bought back the Yes Network. They got a lot to lose right now. They got they got Jeff Bezos and Amazon on their team now. So there's there's a lot. There's a lot to uh, to lose with it with, with an insurance fraud case here. We got to make it look real. Yeah, I also do like our plan that we came up with in the the Facebook chat of drones uh, just delivering beer and everything in the stadium. I think that's a good plan. Yeah, I think this drone might be able to uh, help out our Ellsbury situation too. You know, although um, you know guys like Cousin Brewski, I don't want to see them out of work. No, I don't want to see them. I mean, he, I, I'm not. I don't have a lot of confidence in Cousin Brewski. Uh, you know, with a remote control <laughs> operating drone, a drone might yeah. get in the way of some fly balls. Uh, he, he's an old school guy, man. He likes to uh, deliver that beer in person and, and you get a story along with it. So I like that much better than the drone. Right. Uh, Tyler Wade. So also reports are that he's going to make the team once again as the super utility man. He made the team last year on out of um, on opening day. He played in th- got 38 played appearances in April. He slashed 086, 158, 143. I tweeted this out on Saturday. Uh, got a lot of conversation going about it. And I totally forgot about this, but he was dealing with some sort of virus last April that apparently affected his performance because he did come up later in the season and played better. The caveat to all of this Wade stuff is he has never got consistent at bats in the majors. So it's always small sample sizes. But I don't see how Wade is ever going to get consistent at bats in the majors unless he starts hitting in these small samples. You know what I mean? It's like a chicken or the egg scenario with Tyler Wade because he, he's not a guy they're just going to give, here's your starting second base job, Tyler Wade. The Yankees, I mean. Like, he might get consistent playing time if he gets traded, but for the Yankees, he's always going to be this utility guy that's never going to get consistent at bats. So unless he hits in this sporadic playing time, I don't see how he's ever going to stick on this roster. All right, so I totally disagree, and, I, and I'll tell you why. And this is this is the exact scenario that I laid out earlier on when we were talking about wh- how this roster is going to shape out and and what's going to happen with the shortstop, the second base, like all of these things. Do we have to rely on Troy Tulowitzki? Uh, like all of these things that that are are giant question marks. <clears throat> I don't think they care about Tyler Wade's offense as much. Yes, would it be nice? Would it be great if he could get on base more often and and do things uh, so that he could get on, so that he could you know take advantage of those legs and the good base running and all that? That would be that would be icing on the cake. That would be the cherry on top. What I think they really need Tyler Wade to be is an elite defender, a guy that could be flexible in the field to to play a, a role on this roster to give the uh, the guys that they want with the big sticks uh, the ability to to stay on the field. And, and that's, that would mean Tyler Wade going in late inning situations, playing some defense at multiple positions so that they can keep their guys fresh. I think that's what he's going to be. I think that any offense at all would be a bonus. No, so he can't I, have a 200 on base percentage. He can't. It can't, doesn't matter. You, it, yes, it, it just does doesn't matter, matter as much. I'm sorry. It does. You can't have a pitcher level hitter. You just can't. Look, when you're talking about run prevention and you're talking about uh, going out there and playing good defense in 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 a in a time where you want Tulowitzki up at the plate and and not you know having as many innings in the field, then then that is a value to the team. When you're when you're when you see a guy that can play third, short, second, out, any outfield position, like that is a huge value. And and what it does is it 
allows Boone to go out there and spell anybody at any given time for defense. If you And usually when you're in that position, when you're trying to spell a guy for defense, you either have a lead, you're in a situation where you just need to keep the runs off the board, and that's where the value is. Like I don't think he's going to be... Yes, he's going to get probably... Uh, if he makes the team, he would get a spot start here and there. And of course we want to see some offense. Uh, but at the same time, he's not there for his offense. He's there for his flexibility on defense, the fact that he can run the bases. He might get... Uh, you know, a pinch hit or a pinch run spot late in the game. Like he's got value even without the offense. So I he doesn't do think need, that there's a very significant value on his team, he, even when you're talking about zero offense. He doesn't need to hit 300 like he's done in AAA, but he needs to do better than he's done in the majors because he's going to be hitting ninth. And that means he's going to be uh, up before guys like Aaron Hicks and Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. And you don't want somebody with a sub 200 on base percentage in front of those guys. But but again, he's not going to be. That's the thing. Like he he may not be batting ninth because you're not going to see him get very many starts. He's going to be coming into games a lot more often than he would get a start for a game. That's well, that's a different scenario though, and that's also then he's just here for until Didi comes back. I I see that as a as a very real thing. Right. They so need to like I said the in the beginning, I don't see how Tyler Wade ever sticks on this roster unless he hits. Well, even if he hits, I mean, there's even if he hits, and and, and we're looking at Troy Tuliski's also hitting, and then Didi comes back, like the roster spots are not going to be. Mean, yeah, there. that's going to be tough because then, like, do they just keep Tulo because he's a name and he could is a better well, pinch hitter well, than Tyler Wade? But Tyler it would Wade would be can if play, he's hitting. But right, but all Tulowitzki can do is DH or play shortstop. At least Tyler Wade can play every position. Right, but you just said Tyler Wade batted 086 last year. He's not a guy if that's going to come in there. he's hitting, if Tyler Wade is giving you some semblance of offense, yeah. right? Well, I mean, I think the, the only way that there's a discussion of, of those two guys is if Tulowitzki's not hitting. And if he's not mm-hmm. hitting, then what's the point? There's no point, right. Yeah, so then, then if he's not hitting, then yes, Tyler Wade provides more value as a guy that can be more flexible on your roster uh, in multiple ways. And again, I, I, I don't think it's it's tied to his offense, though. I, I really don't. Like again, I think it would be great and I think I think that he can absolutely improve on an 086, you know, 158, 143. Like that those are abysmal numbers. Yeah, I think he's gonna have to be better than that, but I don't think he has to be um I think if he's if he's you know, uh, two hundred to 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 two thirty to two forty, they'd be just fine with that. And he's playing good defense <laughs> that's, all over the that's place. That's triple what he did last April. Yeah, I mean this to oh eighty six is just it's, it's, I don't think that's sustainable. Like, I think he's better than that. <laughs> yes, of course he's better than that. He came up later in the year and was better than that. I know. But, but at he, the same time, it's he not He had a about fantastic that. spring training last year. And then I don't know how much the illness... Like they, I think they use the illness as sort of his get-out-of-jail-free card. And I'm fine with that if he really truly... I, like, I think they poisoned him in Toronto. He, he ate some bagged milk or something like that. Ellsbury poisoned him. Didn't, he, didn't Ellsbury have something to do with this? No, they just looked the same. Yeah, and that's why he didn't like it. Did something to him. I don't trust him. He infected him with his injuries. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't trust this. No, I mean, just at the end of the day, I, I really do. I, I think that Tyler Wade is a valuable piece of this team, um, but it's but it's because of his defensive flexibility. Let's talk about the first base battle. So Brian Cashman was also, like I said, he was on radio. He said he would be very surprised if both Bird and Voigt were on the opening day roster. And it sounds like Tyler Wade's going to be on the roster instead of one of those guys. That also pissed some people off because they think... Uh, the Verd, I called it the Verd battle, which is uh, a <laughs> combination of the two. If both are hitting, I think a lot of people want to see both on the roster. Yeah, it just it just doesn't make a lot of sense to have both of these guys on the roster because, uh, you know, we they're they're they they are 
pigeonholed at one position and, and that's it. Like, yeah, the DH position could be number two if you want, but there's, there's a lot of competition for that DH position, especially with a guy named Stanton. Um, you know, and judge, Stanton, they said they want and judge. Yeah. Cashman so those, said he'd like to see both of those guys split more time between DH and right field to just keep them healthier. Right. And, and you're going to see Gary Sanchez in that spot as well. Like it's going to be a, a position that is, is flexible and gives them, um, you know, wherever they need a guy to, to have a day off. Cause we will see Stanton in left field as well. So, Stanton will be the primary DH, but I think we're going to see a handful of guys rotating in and out. I don't see one of those guys being Bird or Voigt. No, and and even like let's let's say it's not any of those guys that we just mentioned, and and that it's DJ Lemayhu, and let's say Lemayhu is the guy that they want to get at bats because of the the well, type see, of at bats that he that gives. Would be weird though, because DJ Lemayhu's the whole reason DJ Lemayhu's here is because of his defensive versatility, right? So then you're uh, going to no, put him no, in no, DH. No. That doesn't make sense to me. It absolutely makes Anything sense. Anything put Anduhar at DH. Well, yeah, you could do that. You could slide him over. Uh, but but the thing is, is that LeMahieu gives you a, a very different at bat than a lot of these other guys. Like his on base percentage helps out the rest of this team. So you have him as a D- DH. Doesn't have to be a power guy on this team. I'm not it saying it has to, to be, be a power guy. guy. But I mean, like traditionally, everybody's thinking about a DH, like DJ, DJ LeMahieu DH. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit. It doesn't doesn't work in my head. But they're also using this guy as as somebody who can. Um, you know, set the table for a lot of these other big power guys. No, see, it doesn't base, make sense because he's a positive defender. So if you if he's going to be starting, I want him in the field. That I can see that that makes that makes sense for sure. Um, if you're if you're having him and Andujar there, like why not put Lemayhu at third? Right, and they committed. They said when we signed DJ Lemayhu, we're going to we commit to you to get regular playing time at multiple positions. That's what Brian Cashman said and told him when he signed on the dotted line. All right. I mean, I mean, I said a lot of things to get people to sign things. You know what I'm saying? But the, um, the whether they do it or not is, is another. Now he's under contract. Well, I know, do, I know he's that. Do but, like damn well and and obviously, if he's not producing, then he's not going to get playing time. But he, he obviously had to. He had a brain. He has a brain. His agent has a brain. He's looking at the roster and saying. I'm not just going to sign to be a bench player. I better be playing. So where am I going to play on this well, team? Well, they, they also didn't give him money, the, the amount of money that they did for him to be a bench player either. But my, my, my point is, is that there, there very well could be other options for, for DH. It's not just the, the big power guys. They could slot a, a number of guys in that spot. So when you have a guy that can only play one position, then you don't have room for two of those guys. That's, that's it. Right. You ready to talk about your, your old buddy, Sonny Gray? My God. So. He, he's like the he's like a you know the virus that just keeps coming back. He won't go away. Right? You thought we we finally thought we could put this issue to bed, and he just opens his stupid mouth again, blaming yeah. the Yankees uh, for his struggles, saying they forced him to throw sliders, and that's why he struggled because he was always in bad counts. His slider is not like Tanaka's slider, where Tanaka can throw at any sort of count, throw it over the plate. It can be a quality pitch. Sonny Gray did not feel confident in throwing his slider for a strike. So it was either a spinner that would get hit or it was in the dirt, which would put him in bad counts, thus getting him in trouble. And apparently he uh, was not man enough or just could not just decide no, you he doesn't right. want to throw sliders. Hold on, hold on. You said it right the first time. Don't give, don't give him an away out. Right. He's not man, he's not he, man enough. One's, you know, what is the, the definition of insanity? He's not of a stand-up person either. I mean, there's trying something over and over again, expecting a different result. So he goes out there, he sees his sliders not working, and he keeps going out there and trying it again. Now, I understand if a coaches are telling you something and you disagree with those coaches, that, it, that could be a trying scenario, right? That could be a difficult work environment. Yeah. Figure it out. Figure it out. How about you have some preparation? How about we talk about the, the lack of preparation, the lack of the, the fact that he never had a routine on his starts 
like this this son of a bitch is out there watching Netflix. Peaky the Peaky the Peaky fucking blinders is out there watching that beforehand rather than studying tape and figuring out where the arm slot needs to be or or you know going through the motions. Um, you know whatever. Like how about we just get better as an athlete? How about we get better as a pitcher and come up with some things that can make you more of a sustainable. Uh, you know, a top level guy instead of going out there and just being like, oh, well, they're making me do this. I got to do this. I, I don't know why I just can't do what I want. I've always done what I want for my entire career. No one's ever told me that I'm not good. No one's ever told me that, that I suck. No one's ever said, no one's ever booed me. No one's ever held me accountable. No one's ever said, oh, your fastball is not as good as you think it is. You should try to mix in other pitches. Nobody's ever told me that. How dare him? How dare Larry Rothschild try to coach me? How dare the Yankees try to come out there and say that I should do this or I should do that or the fans boo me. I'm Sonny Gray. I'm the, I'm the greatest thing it's ever been. I'm the greatest thing. I have great stuff. It's just he's the such, excuse, he's the such a little train. bitch, man. The excuse he's such train is a just little out of bitch. Control. I just think back. I mean, he did suck so much worse at Yankee Stadium than he did on the road. And he asked, apparently he asked coaches about that. And he said, they said, I don't know. You're just unlucky. Do you, do you believe they really said that to him? Probably. I mean, if you look back in his history, I think a lot of people have been telling Sonny Gray what he wants to hear for his entire life. And, and there aren't very many people that have said, look, kid, this is not what you think it is. The reality, what's actually happening out here and what's happening in your brain are two very different things. And you need to get those two aligned and somehow find out like what's actually happening and then fix it because you're not good right now. Your stuff isn't good. You're not good. Your answers suck. You smile when you're not supposed to. There's there's nothing going right here. Fix it. It's you're a professional athlete. Professional. I have some Keyword. accountability, and I think this is we're seeing why Brian Cashman in the in the press conference right after the season ended said Sonny Gray needs to be traded because if struggling is one thing, if you struggle but you're you you work with the coaches and you're working at getting better, I think they will overlook your struggles and say this guy has talent. We're going to try and make this work. But if you don't, or you're not willing to put in the work, you're not receptive to the coaching, you make excuses for yourself, that is when I think they have to move on. Yeah, we, we compare him uh, and to like the Javi Vasquez version two. Um, I, I think we need to throw that out the window because I, I remember seeing disgust. I remember seeing visible frustration on Javi Vasquez's face. And uh, like, I, I, feel like, I feel like he... He has earned that much, at least just to, that he tried. Well, and also know? Brian Cashman like, was willing like to bring him back, right? Brian, if yeah. Brian Cashman is willing to take another shot on you, that means he, he There's something at there. least respects you, right? Yes. yes I don't think absolutely. Brian Cashman respects Sonny Gray at this point. I, I hope he doesn't, and I, I have a very difficult time thinking he does. Uh, Sonny Gray doesn't deserve the respect of a lot of people, I think. I think that when you're looking at the way that he handled himself and the way that he's continuing to, to talk about this narrative and, and just act like it's everybody else right um, no not like that's take some ownership you lost me dude. take some ownership and like i looked at fan graphs his slider usage it did go up with the yankees in 2018 he threw 18 percent sliders the previous year with the Yan- or 2017 combined through 16.1 percent 2016 12 percent and going back to 2015 his best season he threw 15.9 percent sliders so still a significantly high amount of sliders <clears throat> it did go up with the yankees he the biggest difference though is his fastball percentage went drastically down with the Yankees, 35% in 2018. With the A's, it was around 50% to 55%. That is a huge difference. Yeah, but you know what? There, there's a lot of times there's a reason for that as well. Like I know Larry Rothschild likes to throw off speed pitches more, and I'm sure 
I guarantee that was part of it. But at the same time, if you're if you're not a, if your fastball isn't as effective as it has been in the past, if it's if it's not the same pitch it was, and you have to do something different, well, then you're going to do something different. You know, make make your fastball a better pitch than if you want to throw it more often. Make your slider more effective and and more deceiving, so you don't have to throw it as much. So you can live off your fastball a little bit more. Make yourself a better pitcher. How about you actually just perfect your craft instead of just saying that oh they made me throw this pitch, so I threw it and and you know it wasn't good. Like, just be better. Make yourself better. <laughs> well, it's right. Like me off. See, we, this is it's, it's when I saw this, I, I got so mad. And I, and I and I'm 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 mad that I got mad still, you know, like it like I don't know what it is. It's like a it's like an X. Like you see it and it just like infuriates you immediately. You go from zero. Well, you're to a you're scarred. You have some history with Sonny Gray. Pisses me off, man. And, and and I and I just I can't handle I can't handle people that that are are not effective that don't do their job that have it's that a have loser problems. mentality. Sonny Gray has a loser mentality and, and, and blame everybody else. Yeah, right. And it's it's sort of triggered two reactions among Yankees fans that I saw this last week. Uh, one of them is that Sonny Gray hasn't learned. Same old Sonny Gray, which I think is where you and I fall. And the other one is that Larry Rothschild's a bad coach and needs to go. People were blaming Larry Rothschild for this scenario, which I'm not saying he's totally uh, That's exactly blame. what Sonny Gray wants you to do. So everybody who thinks right. that is, is Sonny Gray's little pawn right now. Like, so I think we just have to look at a situation. Keep that in mind. Can't we just look at a situation logically and say Sonny Gray could not handle New York. He could not take accountability for his struggles. He was not willing to put in the work to better himself. But also, Larry Rothschild maybe just isn't the right coach for him. And the, the Yankees pitching coaches and staff do deserve some blame. I'm not saying they are all to blame, but you can't just say that it's 100% Sonny Gray's fault. Okay, let me, let, me, let, me, let me paint a picture for you real, real quick about this because because I am... <laughs> I am very much not on board with with Larry. I'm, I'm, yes, when something goes wrong, there's usually multiple people to to look at. Okay, but there is one clear person to look at in this situation because right, slicing the, if up you, the blame pie, he's got like ninety percent of it. If you remember the rumors early in the off season, it was Sonny Gray to the Milwaukee Brewers. Sonny Gray to the Milwaukee Brewers. That was like the big thing, right? Then it became Sonny Gray to the Reds, and then that happened. What? What? Why was that happening? Do we all know why that was happening? I know why that was happening because the coaching. Uh, the pitching coach from Vanderbilt was with the freaking Milwaukee Brewers. Then he went to the Reds, and now that's where Sonny is. Back with his college coach because his college coach knows how to coddle him, knows how to how to you know say the right things to Sonny Gray and support him and be all uh, in his corner and let him do whatever the hell he wants to do because that's where Sonny Gray feels comfortable. He's got to go in places where he is in a position where he's coddled. Ah, fine, I don't care. And he's going to be playing in front of 12,000 people on a nightly basis. But he had to go back to the coach from college. He was going to follow him to Milwaukee. Then he got traded or he moved over to Cincinnati. Then he's going there. Like it's, it's, it's just a, it, 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 it's, it's a perfect little bow on why he's such a bitch. Right. That's not a player you want on your team that no. needs to have everything aligned. And he perfect. needs to have one coach. The, the only guy that can, that can get the best out of Sonny Gray is one dude. You know, it's kind of, you, you remember, um, we talked about it, the, um, the, Appearance on on the R2C2 podcast. Yes. And we were like, wow, like Sabathia is really going out of his way to try and win, to try and get Yankees fans behind him. You know, wasn't that sort of the takeaway from it that it's like, I'm supporting this guy. Everyone likes me. I'm supporting him. So everyone's going to like him. Like he, Sabathia was trying to take him under his wing and Sonny Gray couldn't even be receptive to that. 
See, I don't even put it that way. I would say that like Sonny's like, can I be on your show? Can I be on your show? Can no, I be on your show? Can I be on your show? I don't think Sonny Gray knows what like freaking me. podcast is. Cece, people will like me if if I go on your show and we talk and we act like we're friends and and because people will love you, so they'll they'll like me. People will like me more if I go on your show. I don't think and, so. And I you probably think said Sabathia it like that. It's like a real to... whiny voice. <laughs> I think Sabathia was trying to be the clubhouse leader that he is. Yeah. He, I, okay. I could see Sabathia being like, "All right, kid. Like you can come on the show. I'm gonna try, but you know, be cool." And he just wasn't. Well, maybe you want to go uh, travel to Cincinnati and see a Reds game, watch Sonny Gray pitch. Just heckle Sonny Gray from Cincinnati. Boo the hell out of him. The best way to do that is going to be using SeatGeek. Getting tickets online can be far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. You and I both have the app on our phones. We use it frequently. Um, I usually try and grab some last minute Yankee tickets. If um, you know, it's four o'clock in the afternoon, I want to see what the price is for, for Yankees tickets that night. I might hop on SeatGeek and, and just grab some tickets last minute. Yeah, it is designed to make your ticket experience buying experience easier than ever by searching multiple ticket sites and grading every single ticket by based on value. SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Uh, plus, every purchase is gar- fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with the confidence, knowing that your seat will be there and that it is guaranteed. Make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source for everything sports, concerts, and comedy. I've used it in the past. I've bought Jets tickets. I've bought Springsteen tickets. I've, I've, I've done Yankees tickets. So SeatGeek is uh, the, the best way to go and by far the easiest way that i found to shop for tickets. Um, best of all, listeners get $10 off their very first SeatGeek purchase. Just go download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code BRONX today. That's promo code BRONX for 10 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. Mailbag time. First up is Justin, JTMac21, our old friend Justin, checking in. How far can this team go without addressing their starting pitching depth? For a team that should be contending for a title, sitting back and relying on CC to hold up, plus not plan for any injuries was risky. Hopefully the kids can step up, but I'd rather attack the quality vets still available. Um, I guess the quality vets he's referring to are Dallas Keuchel and Gio Gonzalez because they're the only two starting pitchers still on the market that are worth a damn. Yeah. Uh, you know, so this is a this is a question that could go back like two years even because last year when we saw all the, the injuries happen, uh, you know, a lot of people were looking for uh, the the trade to, to make um, to, for, for Brian Cashman to go out and make a move for a, a pitcher. Uh, they they didn't do it, and we saw what happened. The 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 uh, starting rotation was pretty much decimated. There was a lot of issues. We saw a, a bunch of guys that we didn't want to see pitch uh, for the team. This year is, I think, a little different. I think there was there was definitely some areas that they addressed. They brought Hat back. They went and made a trade for Paxton. Um, so they they absolutely went out and and I think made this starting rotation better. The tricky thing is, is when you start getting into like a sixth or seventh guy. Who are you going to bring over that will agree to being that sixth or seventh guy? Like the decision was Sabathia. So uh, I, I think that's where if Justin's trying to improve this, then they wouldn't they wouldn't have brought Sabathia back and they would have gone out and made a, a deal for a guy like Keuchel. Uh, that would have been really one of the only ways to do it, because when you're talking about depth, like you can't go out there and just sign a guy for depth because he's got to pitch. <laughs> Well, you also, I think Brian Cashman was comfortable with where the five starting pitchers were going into spring training. We know Sabathia is delayed in Severino's injury. Those, at least Severino's injury was not expected. 
And I still think he is willing to wait and see how the team shakes out and make a deal at the deadline. I think he's always willing to do that. We're actually going to talk about that in the next mailbag question. But I do think one fair second guess, I don't fall into this camp necessarily, but a fair second guess that I hear from fans is that they didn't, they were not willing to just spend the money on Patrick Corbin. Yeah, but the thing is, is if they, if they, if they went and uh, purchased Patrick Corbin and they spent the money on him, who's to say that the rest of the guys fall into line? Well, they had already traded for Paxton. Yeah, but but probably so maybe, maybe get dealt then. You're probably right about that. Yeah, I, I the decision was Sabathia. Like that's that's where it is. If you don't bring Sabathia back, then then I can understand. Then maybe they they still sign Hap and they if they were to trade uh, if they were to sign Corbin if they were to actually do that. But something something's got to give. There's there's five rotation spots. You can't go out there and get a guy that's worth a damn and say okay you're going to be our sixth guy. Like what do you do with him at that point? So there's you you have to go out there and fill your rotation. And when you're talking about depth, you got to look in the minor leagues. And, and I think you know when you look at what what's down there with with Herman and Loisiga and uh, and you know Sessa, if you if you want to include him as well, I think there was a, a comfort level knowing that those are the. Those are the uh, the guys in reserve. Like they're pretty good, and I think there's there's a there's a comfort a se- level. I find that funny. You use those that term for for those guys you're talking about. I don't think. Well, I, mean, I think there's I potential about a six there. Or I don't think guy. there's a comfort level. I'm sorry. Well, you, I mean, for a sixth or seventh guy, the comfort level is is you know objective at that point. It depends on what you're talking about, and it depends on where your comfort level starts for a sixth or seventh guy. I think a lot of teams would love that. Love Luiziga, Herman, and Sessa to be their sixth or seventh guy. So. You know, I, I think it's all relative in, in how you're looking at it, but you can't go out there and just sign a, a you know a big name guy to be your sixth or seventh guy. It's not that's well, not feasible. Th- th- that's not feasible, but that's how Yankee fans treat it. Well, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you got you got to go out there and you have to have something in your minor leagues for 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 that point, or you have to be you know flexible enough or have the ability to pivot and, and make a move, and, and that's what we're talking about. I think if they if they see that you know maybe these guys aren't we didn't see like the uh, Herman or or Loisiga take that next step if they were to be that guy that, that had to come in for a significant amount of time then Brian Cashman goes to the trade market <laughs> yeah the trade market for Marcus barring any more serious injuries what do you think the Yankees trade deadline will look like never too early to speculate and I say to you Marcus it's too early to speculate it's March <laughs> 10th and you're talking about July 31st. The season hasn't yeah. even started yet. We don't know who's going to be pitching well, not pitching well, healthy, not healthy, what teams are going to be good, what teams are going to suck in July. So many things will change between now and then. But I read but. this question for one reason. It's because the Yankees are about $2 million under the next tax penalty. They're over the first tax penalty. They're about $2 million under the next tax penalty. Do you think that will be a hindrance to anything they do in the season? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it could it could absolutely play into it. I mean, when you're looking at the the difference between the penalty and you're you're saying two million dollars is the is the threshold now for for us being in that next bracket. Now you're looking at two million dollars equating to you know much more than that. The the difference in the tax in the, the tax, tax goes from twenty percent to thirty two percent once you go over that. Uh, so they're in the two hundred six to two twenty six million dollar range right now. If they go to right now, it's about two twenty four is their payroll estimated. Uh, if they go over 226, it goes up to 32% tax. That's a significant amount of money when you're yeah, talking about $2 million. Though, is it, it's a couple million bucks. When you're, when you're talking about the $2 million, then you're looking at that player. Now you can associate a cost with that guy uh, that's, that's way, well more than $2 million. If they so, could acquire somebody at the trade deadline that will help them, 
and they don't do it because of that tax penalty, I think every Yankees fan has a right to be pissed off. I don't think that it would prevent them from making a significant move. I do think it will be a determine. It will be part of the decision, though, um, and and depending on the guy, depending on how long, you know, if there's if it becomes more of an investment and it's not just a one year guy, I think it would be easier to swallow. Things like that. Like I think there will be it will be a situational case. Um, I do think it will go into the decision factor, but I don't think it would be a uh, a deal breaker. Well, like I could envision a scenario where there is a team that maybe thinks they could be a wild card contender this year that just isn't, and they're out of it come June and July, and they want to offload some of their more expensive players. And if the Yankees could get a starting pitcher for basically just eating money, it's going to cost more than $2 million because an expensive starting pitcher for a half season could cost eight, nine, ten million million. I don't know who this guy is. This is all you know, hypothetical. That would put him over. That would put him over, yeah, uh, assuming no other moves are made and there's no more clearing of, of any payroll for somehow. Um, but yeah, it, I, again, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a deal breaker, but I, it's going to go into the equation. You're going you're gonna to add that money to the $2 million and say, okay, now we're getting this guy. He's putting us over. So now he's a, not, not just a $2 million guy, but he's a, you know, ex, however, many, however many millions at this point. Um, and is the value there? Is it worth it? Are we going to have him for more than one year? Is he going to be something that, you know, if, can, we, can we find a guy that, not only helps us this year so that we have to add to the salary and to the payroll, but he's going to be there for, you know, next year or the year after that where he can, we can actually sit there and say, okay, uh, you know, there's more of a value add here because we have, you know, more control. I think a lot of these things will go into the decision factor. Ryan Rorig wants to talk about the Verd battle. Do you guys think the Yankees and Boone have to pick Voight because of how horrible it would be if Bird failed in the regular season again? Imagine Bird winning the spot purely based on slightly better spring training along with his left-handed bat and then hits well below 200, which is not only possible but likely. The risk of using Bird seems so much higher than Voight. The Yankees cannot look at these guys as neutral players who have no history uh, fighting for a spot. It is dishonest. Voight uh, has a small sample, but proven small, but proven record. And bird has a history of one sucking and two injuries. The answer seems obvious. And he adds, why is Andrew the, and the Yankees so blind to it? <laughs> well, you're blind because it's just like, it's hopium. You fell in love <laughs> early on and, and you're just doubling down. That's, that's what's happening here. Listen, there are certain, um, hills that as podcast hosts, you have to die on right for entertainment factor. <laughs> You died on the sunny gray hill, and you've taken. Oh yeah, Greg Bird is still alive. He's barely alive. He's like at the bottom of the hill, like crawling over rocks. Like maybe just like one. He's not crawling over rocks. He's hiding behind the rocks. One he's not finger. Crawling. One finger. You can see one finger wagging. Like he's still slightly alive. Um, yeah. So I'm going to die on the Bird Hill until Greg Bird is dead. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You have to. That's that's kind of where you live right now. Mm-hmm. So the um, the, the I. Ryan Ryan is making some very good points here. Like we we've seen we've seen what Bird is. Everybody understands what he is, or at least we all think we understand what he is. But and and that's where this whole thing lives. The whole thing lives in the but. But Andrew Miller. But one of the best swings in the Yankees organization. But 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 left hand training bat. MVPs. Yeah. So everybody sees the what ifs, and and they're still like he's been a guy. Like I, I think that I think that. Um, part of the history that that Ryan is saying should go against him is also supporting him. The Yankees have have spent a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of resources in Greg Bird. They have a lot riding on the fact that he should be the next first baseman for the long term. 
if you get rid of that, you scratch that, well, then you're, you're throwing all of that away. So I think there's also, there's a proverbial hill that a lot of the Yankees are dying on too with Greg Bird. And I think that's what we're seeing. I think that they still want him to be that guy. And, and whether it's, you know, a, a reality and that could still be the case or they're just like, this is what we said. We're going to see this through. And, um, and, and, and this is the last chance. I think that's what we're seeing. But um, yeah, a couple yeah, he still has that left-handed bat. Uh, yeah, he still has a, you know, a nice swing. I think everybody just wants to see him like 100% healthy and and then they'll make the decision. A couple things. Whether that comes or not is another story. So a pet peeve of mine is when people say that Aaron Boone makes roster decisions. He doesn't make roster decisions. Does he have an input? Obviously, he's the manager. But it's not Aaron Boone picking Voight over Bird or vice versa. Right. Um, and I don't even think Boone should be the one who is the face of that. I think that's Brian Cashman. Brian Cashman is the general manager and he manages the roster. Aaron Boone manages the lineup and the pitching changes and all the in-game crap in the clubhouse. So that that's just a pet peeve of mine that I wanted to get out of the way. Second is I don't think the Yankees are blind to it. I, I do think they're probably going to pick Luke Voigt to start the season. I just don't think they're willing to announce who's going to be on the roster when it's still three weeks away because so much can happen between now and March 28th. I agree with that. If we saw uh, one of these guys go down by you know an injury, it's going to be the other guy who's going to start the, start the season. So why set everybody up for uh, a position saying, "Well, this is going to be the guy this early," and then all of a sudden, um, you know, something happens, and now the other guy's there, and we're all you know glass glass half empty at that point. So I think you let it play out. You make the decision at you know when you have to, and then let the you know let the chips fall where they may at that point. And um, if if Bird continues to prove that he's healthy and and hit uh i actually think that you know if, if we see that and we see that that he's you know the guy that they think he could be i i, I do think that, that they could they could break camp with with greg bird um because he fits the team better as far as lineup ability but that would um, piss off it would piss who, off a lot of people who, there's no doubt it, it would piss off more people if bird gets the job versus Voigt, correct yeah, I think so. I yeah. think at this point, yes, because I think everybody, a lot more people now are on Voight. What have you Voight done, has come what over have you done with, for me lately? What, yeah, with zero expectations, we got him for uh, freaking Chase and Shreve, and, and he is an infectious personality. He's fun to watch. He's a bro. Like People like him. Right, as JJ and, was saying, he looks like a Goomba from the Bronx, and, and people yeah, can get behind that. Absolutely. And, and Bird goes and you know, lives on an island by himself and, you know, with a cat, a hairless cat. Hard to relate to somebody like that. Yeah, there's just there's just not much not much there as far as relatability. So, so yeah, I, I think the the um, the masses definitely got behind Luke Voigt at this point, and he's a become a fan favorite. Yeegs at Yeegs Sports Hub U over under ninety one and a half home runs combined for Stanton and Judge. So I did a little bit of research. Judge and Judge's 162 game average is 46 home runs in his short career. Stanton's 162 game average is 43. Add those together, that's 89 home runs. What Zips is projecting them to do is Judge only 35. I think it's a little low, but I think it also factors in injuries. I think that's why. And Stanton 47, which I believe would be his second career high. Um, And that would be a total of 82 home runs. So I'm going to reword this question and say 82 and a half home runs over under combined uh, i think i think over 82 that's uh, i'm living over 82 so you think they're each gonna have 40 homer seasons 
Yeah, I, I think that again, essentially, it, you can't you can't predict any injury like that. So if they're, I'm I'm looking at two healthy guys playing that year, then yeah, I could see them both hitting over forty for sure. Yeah, I, I think, think ju- if Judge is healthy all year, he's gonna hit more than thirty-five. I'm taking under on the ninety-one and a half. I think I'd take I'd take under on ninety-one and a half. Yes, that would be a forty. That would be a ridiculous six season. 46 home run season out of each of them, essentially. I really hope it's over because that would be freaking uh, fun to watch. Because at that point, you're going to have two guys, uh, you know, battling out for a home run title, most likely on mm-hmm. the same team, a la 1961. So I think that that would be a ton of fun to watch. And I really do hope that happens, but it's probably not likely. Yeah, I, I think somewhere in that 82 to 80. Uh you know, eighty-two to eighty-eight range is, pr- yeah. is which still could be two guys battling for a home run title. Which is still a massive amount of home runs out of two spots yeah. in your order, especially when you think about some of the other power in that lineup as well. Yeah. So uh, the Zips project- projection is definitely factoring in some injury here. So that's that's interesting when you look at you know how that's factoring in for for Judge because he's clearly over a thirty-five home run guy. I mean, <laughs> Didi's a thirty home run guy when he's healthy. So you're looking at Judge at thirty-five. Like that's definitely putting in some uh, some missed games in there. He had 27 last year, but his pace was over 35. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it'll be fun to watch, man. I, I think it's. I think the Yankees are definitely going to break. I think they're going to break that record again. I think we're going to see more yeah, home runs. We talked about that a, a couple weeks ago, and it's just like I don't care. Yeah, I don't care either. But I, I still, I think it's going to happen. Uh, not. Yeah, I don't. Think Great. It has so Steiner Sports can sell anything. another bat. We had 2019 home run bat. Then the 2018 is obsolete at that point. Pretty much. Last question from Beckett Yates. How hard would it be for you guys to be Yankees fans if A-Rod became the manager? Interesting interesting timing with your question, Mr. Yates. Well, he sent this in before the big engagement announcement last night. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, how hard would it be to a Yankees fan? It wouldn't be hard for me to be a Yankees fan. It, honestly, Like I, I have rooted for guys that I didn't <laughs> like in the past. I've rooted for teams that had guys on it, I should say, that I didn't like in the past. I've rooted for... Uh, Yankees teams that had a rod in the past. I'm not a big a rod guy. Everybody should know that by now. Um, so it wouldn't be very difficult for me. I would be extra. I would probably be highly emotional in that season. If, if he were, if you were manager, but it wouldn't make me any less of a Yankees fan. Wouldn't make me any less of a Yankees fan either, but I would be angry because I think it would mostly be a circus and that would piss me off because anytime you can like just take away drama from the team I want to win a championship, I think the better. And this would just add so much unnecessary drama. Yeah, oh, totally. Um, and you know the the timing being uh, you know the the breaking news last night with A Rod tweeting out the uh, the massive ring. Someone that he tweeted gave to me J-Lo. home plate size engagement ring, which <laughs> yeah. is not too far off. It, it looked like costume jewelry. That's how ridiculous the thing is. Yeah, it's pretty massive, and. Uh, and being a guy who's engaged right now too, it's like you, you're now you have now you have a direct comparison. Now Leanne's going to be like, "Wait a minute, right? You see what A Rod gave J Lo? Now we're not competing. looking not now looking good. Competing. You should, you should wonder, be you should be mad at A Rod for that. Just, I wonder just when that they're alone. getting married. I wonder if it's <laughs> yeah. the same day. I mean, I I I think this is the best decision of A Rod's life. I think he uh, he he absolutely made the best decision. I, I understand that J Lo is going on her fourth marriage right now, but at the same time, I think this is no, the best. A Rod's no spring chicken. This is the best thing that A-Rod has ever done. I like A-Rod with J-Lo way better than I like A-Rod before J-Lo. So, the, uh, whatever that means. Would she be the bench coach? Fine. Probably. I mean, I think she runs the show, so yeah. So then the conversation would really be, well, is this A-Rod making the decision or is this J-Lo? There's no more analytics nerds. He fired all the nerds. And now it's just <laughs> J-Lo and A-Rod running the show. 
I wanted because when when you look at the tweet that he sent out, like every when I read it, I I read it with the with his you know with his lisp or like with the with the shit the every s. I I just want one time for him to tweet. I want him to tweet that out like the way it's read, (laughs) the way he says it. I need him to tweet like that. I would be I would go one eighty on a rod if a rod started tweeting like he talks. I would go a thousand percent. I would go one eighty on him, and I would be a big a rod fan if he tweeted like he talked. With the um, with the way that you know the the S's sound, and then like the, the, uh, it, when the, when he's putting out the lineup, it's it's him reading it. <laughs> Hicks, Stanton, Sanchez, <laughs> Gold I Standard. I can't think of any others. Um, so I want so Shishi Shabathia. It's <laughs> <laughs> perfect. I want to talk about this quote from Alex Cora, um, and really just. Because remember, we compared Alex Cora to, to Aaron Boone last year, both first-year managers. Alex Cora yeah. clearly got the most out of his team. Boone got a lot out of the Yankees and won 100 games, but they didn't win. Alex Cora, uh, there was a quote. He was displeased with Eduardo Rodriguez's um, pitch efficiency, and he said to the media, he's old enough. He's been in the league a long time. It's time for him to step up. Can you imagine a 1,000 years Aaron Boone saying that? Uh, yeah. I can't. I- I think I think there's a level of uh, of a guy that's not um, not at a, at a at a at a at a veteran level where you know he's got a lot of respect that you don't have nothing to lose and I feel like he's kind of that guy I, I think I mean definitely Cora is definitely more outspoken and says more things I don't know but there's there's also a, a level that you know you just don't you don't care as much about a certain guy like well certainly he's not going to say that about like Chris Sale but. Uh, it's, he's a shitter to get off the pot guy, so he almost has nothing to lose by saying something like that. You know what I mean? That's that's where I, 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 thought, I found it to be, you know, you don't hear managers, especially in today's game. Like you might have heard that from like a Lou Pinello, right? Yeah. A guy who ran the show. But managers today are more about managing egos and making sure the players are coddled and there's nobody upset in the clubhouse. It's, it's the long haul. It's not the sprint, blah, 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 all the cliches. So you don't hear this kind of shit very often. And I, when I read it, I was like, maybe it's not a big deal. But when I read it, I was like, oh, man, I, I cannot picture any of the Yankees managers over the last you know decade. I, you know, Torrey, uh, Girardi, or Boone saying that. When you're, when you're looking at a guy like Rodriguez, though, with you know, the way that they acquired him and all of the, the hype you know, around him early on, um, he's been very good against the Yankees, unfortunately. But when you're looking at the grand scheme in his entire career, he definitely hasn't lived up to what they thought he was going to be. So... It's almost a light of fire situation under a guy where you're trying to get you know the the talent out of him, um, and, and that's it. And and you either do it or you don't. So I don't think he cares. And at this point, their pitching situation is is interesting. Uh, I think with that whole team, like the whole bullpen is, God knows what they're going to roll out there. Um, you just see uh, what's his face, Stephen Wright, get busted for PEDs now too. So like their their depth is super shallow. You either get something out of a guy or you don't. And I, and I think that's what Cora Cora just puts it out there and he obviously knows the guy. So he, he, you know, he knows the, the player and you know, whether that fires him up or pisses him off, I think he probably has the pulse. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that we definitely uh, agreed on and, and said that if there's one guy who has a pulse of a team and we saw it in the freaking playoffs, he made every right move, <clears throat> right? The guy knows the team Pulling pretty damn well out of his ass. And I'm not he saying does. that he is, that his way is better than Aaron Boone's way or whatever. It's just a different, it's, I think it's, they have slightly different managing styles. I think that's fair. I think that's fair too. I, I agree with that. 
Yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. And and it worked very well for it him last for them, year. Yeah. He got the best out of his possible. But like we, uh, we, we have criticized maybe that Boone wasn't hard enough on certain guys. Like, should he have been a little bit more hard on Gary Sanchez? Now, I don't know how he was privately to Gary Sanchez, but at least publicly, he was very easy on Gary Sanchez. And Sanchez had the worst year of his life last year. Yeah. I just don't think a lot of it, what you say in the public matters as much. I think the, the behind the scenes thing that no, none of us see. Maybe it doesn't. but Because I don't we, think these guys care very much about it. it's all we have we all to go about. by, right? It's what we have to go by, yes. But I don't think they... I think you're probably seeing a little bit more of what Cora does behind the scenes out in public. I think he's probably... You know, less of a uh, PR guy in that sense that he'll 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 just be straight with his answers. Whereas if Boone did say that behind the scenes, he wouldn't tell you that he saw that. He said Cora's in festivist mindset always airing his grievances to the public. Three hundred sixty-five yeah. days a year. Yes, absolutely. Gotcha. All right, that's going to do it for us. Next episode, um, we will be recording from spring training. I don't think we one hundred percent know the plan yet, uh, but we will be recording it while we're in Tampa. Yeah, you'll probably get some more. I mean, we'll probably put out a little bit more content next week and uh, we get back on Sunday. So who knows about the regular show? But yeah, we'll, you'll definitely be hearing from us. There's going to be a there's going to be a big event. Obviously, we're looking forward to what's happening on Saturday. We have about 80 people going to, to be in the bullpen club um, at the at the Yankees game, hanging out with the BP crew. That's going to be a freaking blast. I can't wait for that. Pretty much all you can drink, all you can eat. Um, launching the, the, the BP crew Tampa chapter. I'm pumped. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we're going down there as far as like the, the people who write and contribute to the site. It's going to be five of us in the house. That'll be interesting. <laughs> the, uh, so it's going to be... Uh, I was talking about this uh, with Frank and the age range of people like, in yeah. the house, just like like Dom. I don't know. I think Dom, we got Dom who's in, college, who's in grad school. Yeah. All the way up to you. Yeah. How old are you now? I'm ancient. <laughs> I'm, I'm ancient. I'm 38 today. So... Today? Yeah, that's no, just like today as, oh. as the day stands. Oh, yeah, you're June, your June birthday, right? Yeah. yeah so we got yeah, big age, big age group. Uh, JJ's a you know early to mid thirties guy. You're thirties. I just saw Rich. Happy birthday, Rich! By the way, turned thirty. It's crazy. All the all the guys that have been with Bronx Pinstripes for a long time. You guys all came on in like early twenties, twenty eleven, right? Twenty eleven. Now everybody, everybody's thirty plus. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I've been, so, yeah. when we launched this podcast in 2015, so that's four years ago, I was 26, 27. Yep. Lot, lots going on in the last four lots years. Lots going on. Yeah. Lots going on. But yeah, it's going to be a ton of fun. Like, I'm I'm really looking forward to this trip. We'll be there Thursday through Sunday. Um, yes. We'll be at the be Friday game. We'll be... If you guys are at the Friday game, hit yeah. us up on Twitter or Instagram or, or Facebook or wherever. We'll try and meet up, grab a beer. Like you said, we're going to be launching the Tampa chapter, so we're going to be going to a, a brewery, right? We, we have that so, solidified. Yeah, we're we're going to be mostly launching the chapter will be at the event on Saturday. Like I know a lot of people from Tampa are going to be there. So um, that and then on Friday after the game, we're going to be going to the same brewery we went to last year. It's called Southern Tier Brewery. Southern Tier Brewery. Thank you, Southern Brewery. Uh, I think it's called the whole name is Southern, Southern Brewing and, and Winemaking or something like that. Um, but it's a it's a it's close. It's a super close Southern. Uber shot from the stadium. Um, so if you are looking for a couple of beers after the game too, definitely meet us up there. We'll, we'll hang out there for a while as well. Um, yeah, yeah Southern we hang out with as many people as possible. Southern Brewing and Winemaking. The address is 4500 North Nebraska Ave. Just want to make sure everyone knows. Southern Yeah, it's, totally it's kind different. of in the middle of, it's kind of like you, you stumble upon it, uh, but it's a, it's a cool little brewery with... Uh, Take it over got, there, don't walk there. <laughs> yeah, they got cornhole in the back and like a bunch of good beers, usually a food truck, so... 
Uh, we went there last year or the year before that. It was a lot of fun. All right, that's going to do it for us. As Scott said, we'll be uh, doing a bunch of stuff from Tampa, so check that out. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.